Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. Good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni. And Albert Carson is our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892-102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweet at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, AIDS activist and author of Empty Hands, Sister Abigail Ntlego, talks to us about her journey to save children orphaned by AIDS. Lynn Wilkinson of MSF sends the HIV message to Kailicha. Dean and Pele of the Africa Center for Health explains how their HIV research is saving lives. And finally, we hear about the fight for affordable ARVs from Les McGregor, journalist and co-author of No Valley Without Shadows. But first... Chew on these wise words, the lunch bite on SAFM. These wise words belong to Bill Clinton. He says, we live in a completely interdependent world, which simply means we cannot escape each other. How we respond to AIDS depends in part on whether we understand this interdependence. It is not someone else's problem. This is everybody's problem. 107.1, the home of SAFM in Seapoint. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, in August, the book Empty Hands, The Life of Sister Abigail Ntlego, was published in the introduction of the self-authored book Archbishop Desmond Tutu wrote. Hers is a remarkable tale of what it means to be fully human. It is people like Sister Abigail who usher in a better future for South Africa. She joins me now on the phone. Sister Abigail Ntlego, hello and welcome. Hello, Shadow. Hello, hello. Uh, congratulations on your book, firstly. Oh, thank you. Thank I, ha- you so I haven't managed to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I've ordered my copy because it's part of our contribution to Gulungile Center, which you started. Yes, thank you. Thank now, you. now, did you always want to be a nurse? Um, I always wanted to be a nurse. The reason was because uh, in our area, it has been a, a, a deep rural area, and we had a missionary from from Scotland who came to our area who started a clinic and I used to see her coming to my home to resuscitate my father who had the pneumoconiosis from the mine. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with the, with the, with this profession. And, and that you were bitten by then and you decided this is how you're going to dedicate your life? Yes, I, I, I decided to dedicate my life to, to nursing and to looking after um, people. And and I, I want to know, Sister Abigail, you when you started nursing, um, was it in your area? And I, I suppose your area was it always um, uh, where you are now in Underberg? No, no, no. My area is in Harding. I belong to a tribal ward which is called Nyaniswen, mm-hmm. which is near the Mission Pista Mission. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and and that's where you started doing your nursing. No, I didn't start there. I got my uh, uh, education there, primary education. Then I relocated to Portchester to finish up grade 10. Mm-hmm. But then I was uh, 29 years old. And uh, then I went to Edendale um, uh, when I finished my junior certificate, which is grade 10 now, uh, to train as a nurse. That's where I got my training. Mm. And do you, when, when did you then start looking after children? I started looking after children um, 
Oh, when I completed my nesting, it was in the uh, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one uh, girl which was an outcast, and because it was a mixed uh, child mm-hmm. uh, between an Indian and a, and, a, and a black, the father took ill, had a, psy- a psychiatric disorder, mm-hmm. and then uh, abused the wife. And the wife decided to leave, and the child was up and down to all the families because she's mixed. They couldn't, it was in the olden days. And then they, they, they saw it as a shame, mm. and I decided to take Did you have your own children? I never had a child of my own because I started school at the age of 14 in grade one, and then I only completed a, a junior certificate when I was 29. Then I went to nursing in, at the age of 30, and I only completed nursing when I was 35. So by the time I completed nursing, I was too old, and all my age mates were already married, and I didn't want to do any chicken madam. So I didn't like <laughs> <a> young boy. <laughs> <laughs> so all the young, the single people were younger than you? Far younger than me. Far younger than me. To, to show it on the on the nursing ball, the final ball when we complete. Uh, my partner was 18 years old. Just imagine. Oh I my goodness. And I, and he, he tried to say something. I said, No, no, no. Still smelling of your mom's uh, <laughs> uh, breast milk. So please go away. It was going to be a partner, not to say anything to me. I'm just the age of your mom. <laughs> And, and but then you got you got married to your work. I got married to my work, which is because my life is children. Children is just my life. Hmm. I, I don't like them to suffer as I suffered. So and then you started looking after children, but you then mostly started looking after children who were orphaned by HIV. Uh, HIV only came in nineteen. 19- uh, 87 here in when I was already here in Underbed mm-hmm. and I started adopting uh, them in 1991 because they were over and above there were violence uh, some way uh, some of the parents were killed during the violence in this area mm-hmm. and then uh, most were killed um, some of them were killed uh, by HIV and AIDS because there was no treatment and people didn't know much about uh, this disease. Mm. And what sort of message were you taking around when you had to explain to people about the disease? I used to tell them that uh, this disease is un- in- incurable, but uh, with TB it is curable. TB only is, is curable, though it's a bad disease, but this one is not curable. It can be controlled. So if they can learn not to sleep around, to have one partner, which is very difficult amongst black, black men, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I used to have um, uh, call them to the hall, farmers association hall, and talk to them. They would ask so many questions, and then I used to answer them. Mm-hmm. And I used to go from farm to farm, sending the message until uh, I heard about uh, uh, rolling out in one of the small hospitals, which is Center Polnaris. Then I told them, I called them, I said, well, all those people that uh, uh, want to be tested, we, we're still going to test more, and those who know that they are positive. Let's not hide the disease. Let's just fight the disease. It's just like when there is war. You don't ask when people come with spears and whatever. You don't ask, them, oh, where do you come from? You don't ask that question. Just uh, protect your, uh, yourself and the family. And I said, that's, that's, that's the war. 
Do you know, you, you've looked after patients and some of them have not lived long enough uh, before, the, before we got to uh, get antiretrovirals. Um, how, how was that experience on its own? I mean, was, somebody would have given up then, but you still continued to do the work. I'm one person shadow that, that is, uh, uh, whenever I face anything, I, I'm a short woman. I, I wish I was in front of you. <laughs> All short women are very pushy. So I'm one person that don't give up. I always uh, say to myself, never, ever give up in life. So I never gave up. Though I had a lot of parents who died in my hands in the middle of the night when children are alone, I used to go there and say, God, one day will will bring up something that will stop this mm-hmm. to be so virulent and leaving the children all by themselves. Mm-hmm. So so I, I buried most of the parents because here there was no... Um, it's only now that they've started with the funeral parlor. It's a place which is just in the middle of nowhere, and uh, people didn't even know about underbed, and uh, there were no um, uh, mortuaries. We would take their body to the local... Um, police station, and then they tell you that tomorrow, make sure that it, it's out. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I decided to be a funeral parlor, to be a carer, mm-hmm. to be uh, a nurse mm-hmm. over and above. And if they die in hospital, I would drive my my van, go and pick up the body, because who would do it? The children were all by themselves. This disease wiped the old parents, and uh, sometimes it even uh, caused uh, hypertension to the grannies who are left with these orphans who are full in the house. And then they uh, used to end up having uh, a CVA, which is a stroke. And then sometimes they die instantly or they are very sick, needing to be cared for. So the children were caring. It, it, it uh, created a lot of child-headed homes. Sister Abigail, I, I want you to paint a picture of us because you, you described this place. You've had to now become the undertaker, the nurse and everything. Are you getting assistance from anyone? And how does the community assist you uh, get on to do this very important work? I had trained, they were, they were very good. I trained uh, community care workers, and also I visited the, uh, the farmer's wife, and they knew whom to touch and what to do, and uh, even uh, improvised their gloves when they ran out with mm. the plastic paper. So I asked all the farmer's wives, please don't throw away the plastic because your cake are going to eat it and they're going to die, <laughs> but I'm able to use it the way I'm going to use it. And mm. I showed them how to use a plastic bag to protect yourself, uh, especially even if you are doing a washing or cleaning, up, cleaning the linen where the, the patient has messed herself. Mm. And uh, they were up in arms. They even formed a... Um, something called, um, it was a project called Underbeck Highville AIDS Initiative. We used to call it Uhai in, in short. Mm-hmm. And they were helping with food parcels, helping me with the bandages, giving me uh, uh, bath oils, whatever, whatever they have. And then some used to go to the chemist and purchase medication and give it to me so that I could uh, um, uh, sort of meet the end because it was not so difficult to take medication from the clinic to distribute in the whole area because it was so rife here. Mm-hmm. People are not educated and they didn't know about this disease. They never believed that it would affect them. And then when it affected them, they would just uh, give up in life. And I wanted to, them to be able to 
to look after themselves. And we had small gardens so that it can pick up their immune system. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot of work to do, but uh, the community was up in arms, the white and blacks. And what I liked most, there was no... Um, uh, ridicule or people didn't want their mate to mm-hmm. even touch them or touch their children. Mm-hmm. They, they themselves, they, the white people were, were helping. Sister Abigail, have things improved since? Are you seeing that more and more people are aware of the disease? And if not, uh, what should happen? Um, another problem that has just cropped up, when I had said, oh, good now that children are going to have parents being at home. Now, there's a, a little bit of a problem with the, with the child support grant. People, when they get better, they still want to have another child and mm. another child so that they can have this uh, child support grant mm. uh, to add it more and more and more. And uh, when they do that, even if they are on medication, on ARVs, their immune system goes down. Then they get opportunistic diseases like uh, uh, TB meningitis or mm. straightforward TB, which is not treatable, and they die from that. From that. But the deaths, the deaths are not so high now. And what, what, what are you, how old is your youngest patient that you, you've dealt with? Um, it, before, it, it, it could, it could, have, it could be a newborn baby mm-hmm. or an old lady. And also, why old lady who were already uh, widowed? What are those uh, old ladies who are traditional bed attenders who deliver uh, a patient at home mm. because uh, the, the place has been uh, we had no hospital mm-hmm. and uh, to reach the, the clinic those who are far it was so difficult to get a, a, a prompt uh, attention to the woman that is delivering they might deliver on the way while they're still carried mm-hmm. so the women who were the old ladies who were doing the deliveries they got infected mm. yeah. do you have a hospital now or a clinic We've got a, a, a 24-hour service clinic, mm-hmm. which I motivated um, uh, through Dr. Brooks from the NPA in Meritzburg at the, um, uh, because he was the one that used to build clinics all over. Then I, I called him to come and see how we work because we were working until um, 8 p.m., having had nothing to eat, and I was scared mm. that I'm going to get TB. Mm. Because uh, patients, when we came back from the mobile service, the patient would be queuing up to the main road uh, waiting for us to come back and restart another clinic at the, at the, at the center where we used to sleep. And then he decided uh, he's going to help us, so we built the underbed clinic. But now I also motivated for three other things because it was so heavy for underbed clinic to 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 absorb all these uh, other areas. Mm-hmm. And we've got uh, three clinics that we built. That was Tsinkajeni, um, Clinic, uh, Tillman Clinic, and uh, um, Dasarlobo Clinic, which is called Tati Clinic. What's the size of your population there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> more or less, more I'm, or less. I'm I mean, not, uh, Shadow, I'm not well educated. Don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy you saying uh, that. I, used to, um, uh, I was working with um, with the traditional. Uh, people, mm. uh, I used to go to the Ngosis and ask them about the, and see the area, and they used to give me in pockets, what uh, do they have? Sometimes mm. they about uh, 10, 10 million or, or 4 million houses, 
some thousands and uh, things like that. Mm, but mm. in Anderbeck, they had told me that there are only uh, 200 uh, people. But uh, when I saw the patients, we I even saw more than 200. Uh, when I came here, they said, no, it's a small, it's a village, not mm. really a town. Mm. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a village. We've got a lot of people. We've got two um, um, low-cost housing, Ironville and Underbed. Um yeah. Mm. Sister yeah. Abigail, please stay on the line for me. We're going to take a little break, and then I want to come back and, and, and find out more about Gulungile Center okay. and, and how we can make it work for you. After this, though, please stay on the Thank line. Kokomoya, smile. Kwali strata clever. Go out and have fun. Put your favorite song on repeat because wonku muntu ne right of jiva. Go to the beat for the very first time. This is the time yet you get together. Walk to a stranger and say, Wona mpeji. Dance like a cholipornas. Spend time with them daily. Eat, drink, and make memories that last forever. Vuga, Geza, Bangene, Smile. Double one with our extra hot lineup of brand new shows. Drama, comedy, movies, entertainment. This is going to be the best summer ever. Get hashtag Samayadisama. SAPC1. Nzansi for sure. An illness, constant biting, or being active can result in brittle, loose, or fungal nail infections. Pharmaco has the effective solution for you. ClearNail is a clinically proven product that treats all nail-related infections, making your nails as good as new. One ClearNail pen can give you up to 300 applications. For amazing results, find ClearNail at all Discam, Clicks, and independent pharmacies. For more info, visit pharmaco.co.za. ClearNail. For healthy, beautiful nails. Mom, look, another brown cat. Oh, it's a lion, honey. No, Mom, it's a big fat cat, just like Mom. Yes, dear, but it's a... Look, there's a huge chicken. That's an ostrich, sweetheart. No, Daddy, it's a chicken, and it's big and tall, just like you. From our family to yours, the coolest summer moments are best shared with family. We bring you a variety of entertainment to be enjoyed by everyone this summer. Hashtag Share Summer, only on SABC2. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. And my guest is Sister Abigail uh, Ntlego, who's a nurse, author, AIDS activist, and affectionately known as Sister Abby in, in Underberg. I want to know, Sister Abigail, uh, uh, you probably had to train, as you said, a lot of people because you're not getting any younger and you need to look after yourself as well. You know, look after your health. If you're working 24 hours a day, what sustains you? Uh, what sustains me is um, my belief in God and also having the children whom I, I've seen that they, they, are, they are keen and willing to be trained to take over in case I don't wake up. Mm. So I've, I've trained three already, my my adopted daughter, my granddaughter, and my great-granddaughter. Are these kids that you've adopted, as you call yes, them? Okay. Yes. All right. So, but but then do you get any additional help financially? To, I mean, you're talking about driving your car and going places. Mm. How are you, how are you, you know, how how do you survive financially? Mm. Financially, I get uh, 
860 per child per month from the government, which is the foster care grant. Mm -hmm. My problem with that is not enough mm -hmm. because I want the children to, uh, to go to the English school. Why? Because uh, English is a universal language. I want them to be easily employable because when I only release them when they're able to look after themselves. And if they, um, they reach the age of 18, having no metric, um, I make sure that they get metric and then they get into tertiary education. But they don't stay in their home when they're over the age of 18. I rent houses out and I've got a, a safe house which I was using uh, before I came to Gulongile is a home to help uh, people who are needy and when there is violence to be able to absorb uh, them for the night and see what we can do the following day. Mm. So um, that, that, that's uh, what I do. And then at the same time, being the Anglican lay minister, um, my congregation always helped me um, with some some funds, as it is, we got a new bus from the three donors, the Lily Hall Trust, which belongs to one of the farmers, and also uh, from the church, and then from a family in Cape Town who cycles for three weeks on the road uh, with, his, with his wife to underpass and raise 90000 So in all, mm. we're able to get the bus. So your nurse... You're an AIDS activist, you are the priest, yes, lay, minister. lay minister, and you're a mother to how many children? To 30 now. 30 um, children? Yeah. Yes. And you're 79 years old? I'm 81. 81. I was born on the 4th of April, 1934. How can we help you, sister? Um, if you can buy my book. <laughs> and give it to people as, as presents for them to read and to be able to um, to to learn not to give up in life over and above the money that will be uh, collected for the, the, the for the sale of the book. It will go uh, to the to our savings account, Bulungile savings account, so that we can be able to take the children to tertiary education those who are educable. And those who are not educable, what I do, I send them to the special schools for um, low, low, slow learners so that they can be able to, to mend their own businesses. So that's what uh, the money will go to us. If the, the, the sale of the book can be uh, flourishing, I'll be so pleased. <laughs> and also, if people can donate um, to Gulungile Kids, um, or one o eight at gmail dot com, or mm. you can just call uh, Jane Peterson at the back of the book. There, there is uh, some direction there. But org. Yes. Okay. No. So we're going to do that. And and can people come and visit if they are around in Underberg? Oh, I'll be I'll be excited. I'll be so excited. And I'm trying to. Um, to make uh, the visitors' uh, quarters to be livable. I'm mm. electrifying it now. I'm renovating the rondavel so that they can feel at home. And I've got um, all orchard which has got all types of fruit. Mm. Uh, then people can really enjoy. And there's a mountain for those people like uh, to go up the mountain. Mm. They can sleep at our place. And in the morning, if they want to walk up. And uh, it's a lovely place. It's that. 
and also the, the mind you shadow uh, the water here is pure water from the mountain mm-hmm. they, they, it's not mixed with anything it's pure, pure and also the wind those who have got asthma they can visit and they won't have any attack here. Sister Abigail, I, I really thank you so much for your time. But most importantly, thank you for the work that you do. And I, I, I really want to give you and will pray for you and give you the strength that you need to continue doing this work and, and, and educating and training younger people to look after themselves. But thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks, Shadow. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The book is called Empty Hands, The Life of Sister Abigail Ntlego. It's published by StoryZone and is available from the Hermitage uh, Damagiri in Underberg. But you may may email office at damagiri, D-H-A-R-M-A-G-I-R-I dot org. Or visit also gulungilekids.org where you can make a contribution and uh, let's keep Gulungile Center working for Sister Abigail and Klego. It is now time for news headlines with Sir Utsile Sako. Thanks, Shadow. Good afternoon. More South African households perceive crime to be increasing and feel less safe in their neighborhoods. Statistics South Africa spokesperson Gifulo Masiting says burglary and home robbery remain the most feared crimes. Sixty people have been injured following an explosion at a substation near the Pine Dean train station outside Irene in Pretoria. And there's been a dramatic decline in the number of adolescents who were newly infected with HIV in South Africa over the past 14 years. Details at 2 o'clock. Shadow Twala on SAFM. Now, my guest is Lynn Wilkinson, outgoing project coordinator at MSF Kaya Leecher, uh, where the, you know, she's been the overall coordinator of all MSF's HIV and TB programs in Kalita for the past five years. Lynn, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, good afternoon. What, what has your work, what does your work entail? I mean, you've been there for five years and especially in Kailita. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, of course. MSF works closely in Kailita with local government authorities to really try and find the future ways that we're going to be able to test all of the people that need to be tested and put them on treatment and, most importantly, keep them on treatment. So we're kind of the innovator. We sit with uh, the local authorities and the communities and try and work out new ways that are more likely to succeed in the long term to keep people on treatment for life. New ways like what? Give us an example. So, for instance... Once you're on treatment and you're doing well and your virus is suppressed, so essentially you're just like all of you know anybody else without HIV, you really don't need to be going to your clinic every month to collect your treatments and sort of wasting half your day there. Really, you just need to see a clinician once a year. Mm-hmm. So we've set up what we call community art clubs, adherence clubs, and those are groups of patients who meet in their community, at community venues, or at each other's homes, and their ARV supply is sent to the home, so they need um, share some stories and collect their drugs. It takes sort of 30 to 45 minutes mm-hmm. every two months, and it's a quick, easy way to collect your treatment, um, share some of your problems, and stay on treatment for life. So what's happening there today? 
Uh, so today is World AIDS Day, um, well, in the whole world, but in Kailicha we always put a lot of effort in. And we're unveiling a mural um, on a wall, one of the tallest walls that extends out above Kailicha, where we work closely with a community and people living with HIV who are speaking out in the community about what messages they want to pass to their um, fellow um, people from Kailicha. Mm-hmm. And they worked hard with artists to come up with that message. And the main message on these murals are that there's life beyond HIV. So we need to test, and we need as a community to test regularly, and then we need to start treatment. And once we're on treatment, we need to be supported by our friends and family and community members, and then we need to carry on with our lives. And HIV is only a small part of that life, but really it's about our work and our families and our friends and our community. And we're really trying to get that message out there um, to to the people of Kailicha that HIV is not your life. Um, if we manage it carefully and manage it early, really, uh, there's, a, there's a whole life ahead of us. Do you know, I, I wonder about the message you're giving and what are they saying back to you? Are you hearing anything? Because we, people are still getting infected. So I wonder about um, the message, if the message is, is come, you know, how it comes across to people and sure. why they still get infected. Look, I think why infections are still happening is an extremely complex issue, and I think that any sort of uh, prevention message uh, is not going to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, we have um, uh, unequal relationships where in many times a single uh, specific party is vulnerable in those relationships and is unable to negotiate condom use mm-hmm. and many, many other circumstances where there's violence in homes, etc., but also, you know, we're all just human, and um, I think many of us, if we think through our lives, can very clearly remember the times that we've had unprotected sex. Mm. So, yes, we've got the message out there, but we're all human. And really, for us, the story now is about that if you are HIV positive, you need to know that you are. Mm. You need to take... You need to take Make sure that you get regular testing. Testing is not something we should do once in our lives. It's something we should be doing every year um, to check our status. Especially and as soon as we find out that we're positive, it's about starting treatment and not waiting until we become ill because then it becomes a far more complex illness to manage. Is it still, does it, you know, does it still, um, I don't know if it still carries the stigma that it, it, it usually, you know, had or is that improving? I think it's improving. It's still definitely a, a very prominent feature of being HIV positive and living anywhere. There is still, unfortunately, a tremendous stigma um, around HIV. Mm. I think that in Kailicha that's been broken down far more than potentially in other areas and mostly by people who are HIV positive speaking out mm. um, in their communities. And that's really uh, leading the way. And we've seen even with these clubs, these community art clubs that meet in our communities, that, you know, as soon as a community finds out that people are meeting and that they're HIV positive, it really breaks down the stigma. And very quickly we have people knocking on doors and saying, hi, I'm also HIV positive, can I join this group? Mm-hmm. And that's really what we need to be doing. Um, we need to be talking about it. If we're HIV positive, we need to be talking about it. And uh, an open conversation. If one of every five of us has HIV, why are we keeping it um, to ourselves? So, Lynn, are you going to move from Kailicha into other townships? 
Uh, MEFET has uh, MEFET <laughs> works all over um, the world and in sub-Saharan Africa. Most of our projects are in uh, more less resource countries than South Africa, Malawi, DRC, Mozambique. Mm. Um, we work in Kailicha because this is we've been working here since the early 2000s, when at that time the government was not providing ARV treatments in the public sector, mm. and so MEFET provided ARVs and used Kailicha as a platform to advocate for the government to provide ARVs. Mm. And today we still use Kailicha as an advocacy platform for where we need to be going in the management and treatment of HIV. Uh, so it's unlikely that we would work in other townships in Kailicha, but we don't need to. We work closely with local authorities, and mm. many of the things that we try here together, they then expand to other areas of the country. Well, fantastic. Well, congratulations for good work. And um, I, I hope I hope that today is great success as far as awareness is concerned. Thank you. We have so too. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Bye bye. As Lynn Wilkinson, outgoing project coordinator, MSF Kai Leacher. Now, the Africa Center for Health and Population Studies, Africa's health center at the front line of HIV research. Joining me to talk to us after this little break is Dean and Pele. Kokomoya, smile, qualistrata clever, go out and have fun. Put your favorite song on repeat because Wongo Mundo Neraito Jaiva. Go to the beach for the very first time. This is the time yet you get together. Walk to a stranger and say, Wanna beach? Dance like a toilet bonus. Spend time with them daily, eat, drink, and make memories that last forever. Voga, Geza, Bangene, Spale. Double one with our extra hot lineup of brand new shows. Drama, comedy, movies, entertainment. This is going to be the best summer ever. Get hashtag Samayadi Sama. SAPC1. Nzanti for sure. As a consumer, you are vulnerable to a lot of injustices. Dismissals, fraud, abuse, theft, just to name a few. We at Yunungilalako are here to equip you with information that will help you from falling victim to those injustices. Join me, Sipiwan Zawumbi and Alisha Jali on Yunungilalako, Fridays at 1.30pm on SABC1. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, putting the ladies in the limelight. Putting the ladies in the limelight. Well, this one's not a lady as such. Dean and Pillay is the director of the Africa Center for Health and Population Studies. Welcome, Dean. Good afternoon and to your listeners. And thank you for talking to us. Now, what makes uh, the, the Africa Center for Health and Population Studies uh, the capital in the world of HIV? Oh, we are based in um, uh, in, in northern KwaZulu Natal, uh, near the small town of Tuba Tuba. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Africa Centre um, started life about 15 years ago as a, a site to survey at, a, at the home level of behaviour um, and um, socioeconomic status, but also HIV status, of a population of about 100,000 individuals. Mm-hmm. And these individuals have followed um, uh, every year um, and have been since 1999-2000 time. Um, and, of course, we've witnessed during that period of time in this setting the huge growth of HIV um, uh, it is at the epicenter of the epidemic, unfortunately. But what this longitudinal study um, uh, allows us to do is to monitor rates of HIV, monitor predictors of HIV, um, monitor the impact 
on the population of new health service changes, such as, of course, the introduction of antiretrovirals. Mm -hmm. um, and this provides um, a, a really very powerful indicator of how these changes in disease, but also changes in the health service response to those disease, impact actually on the lives of people. So over, do you say 12 years maybe, yes. that, that you've been doing the work, what can we learn from the work you've done and the kind of uh, research results you've, 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 you've found, um, and how can we use the information to, to, to educate ourselves? Well, let me point to two recent um, uh, examples of, uh, in my view, um, very profound observation. Firstly, um, we observed that as antiretroviral treatment was rolled out to the population, remember this is in a very rural area and, and rollout does depend on the functioning health service mm -hmm. ability to get people to come to clinic, we observed a very strong relationship between um, um, the number of people in an area who are actually receiving antiretroviral therapy and the number of new infections mm. going on in that area. In other words, this was for the first time at a population level that the, the association um, of, of treatment with, in a way, prevention of new infections. Mm. Um, and, 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 and this has led to now um, uh, the, the dominant paradigm in the, in, in the, global, um, um, uh, the global effort against HIV for, for extensive treatment of individuals with HIV, knowing that effective treatment will reduce the risk of them infecting other people. So that, that's the first observation, which, of course, has led to a number of trials, more formal trials, both in South Africa and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the second area I want to highlight is, is our observation that um, this rollout of antiretroviral treatment has had an immense beneficial effect on life expectancy, such that when the rollout of antiretroviral therapy started in 2004 in South Africa, we saw an almost immediate year-on-year -year increase in life expectancy mm. in our population, which is unprecedented in, in any, in any um, uh, demography around the world um, at, at any time. One of, the, one of the salient points, though, and one of the disturbing points of this that we have recently published um, over the last uh, few weeks um, are data showing that that benefit in life expectancy is not universal. Mm. And we find, we find major differences in the way that women's life expectancy is increasing compared to men's life expectancy increasing, such that although antiretroviral therapy is beneficial for all, um, and that's expressed by fewer people dying, the rate at which life expectancy is increasing is much more for women than men. In other words, we observe at our population level that there's far more catch-up to be done with men than women in order for them to best benefit from the presence of antiretroviral therapy. You said this was the life expectancy issue. Is, is, you said it was unique to... South Africa only, or the population that you deal with, more than other countries? No. So um, I think um, it is in any country that, that there is such a degree of HIV prevalence of HIV, then any impact 
um, will be positive. I think what is unique here is that we have set up such a longitudinal structure that allows us to ask that question in such a direct way. Mm. In other words, we see this population over a long period of time. We see them in their homes. We see them with their families. We see them at work and in all contexts. And we're able to therefore relate a number of things together. And in this case, get a direct correlation between whether they're receiving antiretroviral treatment um, and, and, their life, and, and the impact of their life expectancy. So that is what our study allows us to, to show. And, of course, our, our, our results are relevant not only to KZN, not only to South Africa, but, of course, the world. Um, and, and they are indeed looked at around the world. Mm-hmm. In your first point, you, you were talking about people receiving medication and, and, and with those new infections. Has the number changed of new infections? Has it gone higher or lower? So the number of new infections, what we call the incidence of HIV, the number of new infections per year, has come down in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is not low enough. And in fact, um, uh, it's still, even though now there's such a benefit of antiretroviral treatment, it is still extraordinarily high. So even as we speak, in terms of the latest data that we have in our area, the statistics we have translate to um, a, a teenage girl uninfected at this moment in time. If things stay as they are at the moment, she will have an 80% chance of being infected with HIV during her lifetime. So that is extraordinarily high. Mm. It is a very, very disappointing um, uh, statistic um, that that tells us how far we still have to go. I'd like to know, Dean, is is your data available for public consumption? uh, And where do we find it if it is? Of course. So um, uh, we we have have a, 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 a new website. Um, which can be got at uh, www.africacenter.co.zn. We have we have a number of publications in the scientific press, including which are which are freely available um, on on the web. So one just needs to go and look up Africa Center for Population Health, and one can find a whole repository of data. Um, uh, available, and of course we 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 ensure that our data are are linked very closely with the KZN Department of Health and the National Department of Health in South Africa, um, and and so that our research can feed directly into policy to benefit all of South Africans. Well, I wondered, and I think I tried to ask you this earlier, uh, how we engage with with the kind of data we may find on your website. How do we use it uh, to benefit other communities? Well, we, we, we are very keen in terms of our public engagement program to um, support the translation of our, of our data, some of which, as you can imagine, are quite complex data, yes. to translate that into, into, in, 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 into benefits. So, um, and we have a number of projects at the center, particularly involved in outreach and working with different NGOs, obviously working with the KZN Department of Health um, and, 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 other, and other structures. And um, I, I, would, I would appeal to anyone interested in this to go onto our website, as I say, Africa, Africa Center for Population Health, 
um, and and certainly log some uh, a comment there or a request for specific areas of, of support and we'll make sure that we engage and we help any any listener, any organization we help to, to interpret our data for whatever the purpose um, uh, that that user wants to wants to use it for. Dean, and I'm sure we'll talk again sometime. But thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully, when we've looked through your data, you'll be invited again to to explain a lot of it to us. So thank you so much for your time. With pleasure. Thank you very much. Take Goodbye. care. Bye bye. Uh, that website, africacenter.ac.za, and the Africa Center for Health and Population Studies. Coming up, oh, we, we really, really have uh, lost time, but I'm sure we will bring her back to talk to us again. Uh, Liz McGregor, who's a journalist and co-author of No Valley Without Shadows, and really she was talk- going to talk to us about the fight for affordable ARVs, I'm sure we'll find time to talk to her again sometime in the week because it is part of uh, the 16 days of activism and HIV remains uh, one of the biggest challenges we have. It is now time for uh, our children's program, Shop Shop.